welcome to Shrink Wrap, a podcast where Fran and Becky give proper respect to various mental health and wellness topics while adding in a little bit of smart assery that they just can't seem to contain. This podcast cannot and does not constitute therapy advice. However, we do hope that you find the information we share with you helpful and entertaining. Please be advised that this podcast discusses topics that can be sensitive to some listeners. Use appropriate discretion. Welcome. Welcome. And I would like to do a special welcome to Francine Sippel, who's joining us from Phoenix, Arizona. Actually, I'm in Sun City, and I'm oh. the youngest, hottest thing in Sun City right now. For, for those who don't know the AZ, yeah, no, I'm, I'm Sun City. I see how you can make that distinction, though. Like, I totally, totally get it. Like, but no, it's Sun City. So how has it been, though? You've been there for quite a few days. I have. And, you know, I came here because my mom is celebrating her 81st birthday. And so we said to her, my husband's here, and he said, we will take you to eat wherever you want to eat. Just pick a place, right? (laughs) And so we ended up, I can't make this shit up, at a rehab facility of people. (laughs) Like, after they have surgery, they have to, you know, get rehab. And so they have a little restaurant in there. And that's where we ate. Yeah. How how did your mom pick that one, if I may ask? They have the best jello and corn hash. You like, know you offered you know, to take her anywhere. Anywhere, yes. How did I, she decide on this one? You know, there are the seven wonders of the world and then there's Sandra. So I don't know. <laughs> I that's a very good question. Oh my goodness. Oh, well, I hope you have good flights coming home. You didn't fly Southwest, did you? No, we did not. Yay. Yes, I know. That was a shit show for a lot of people. And I like how on all the news articles, they just show that one little girl like holding onto her blankie. Oh, God. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? Before we do, though. Before we do. Brody needs to do his Brody magic. <laughs> I just need to encourage people. It's the new year. And as you, you know, come into your New Year's resolutions here and decide, like, <laughs> I would really like to spread the good word of mental health. And, right. you know, uh, that, but there are these uh, two mediocre ladies and a fantastic man that they I've been listening to on the radio. Uh, and so if you want to spread a podcast to somebody, you just, you let them know, but you can help a stranger by just, uh, giving a little five-star review and, um, subscribing that always, always, always helps. So maybe you should change the name of the podcast to Brody and his bitches. Right. I I am so woke, Becky, that I take offense to that. Okay. You are strong, relatively independent women and not, not bitches. It just doesn't flow as well, Brody and the two strong, independently intelligent women. It's a longer acronym, I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we have a fun one today, I think. Um, I think helicopter- it's going to be fun. Yeah, helicopter parents. Right, landing the chopper, right? <laughs> and so you know what time it is, Brody? What time is it? <laughs> Ladies and it. gentlemen, it's time for the fantastic factoid. Yes. A study, Helicopter Parents, a systematic review of helicopter parenting and its relationship with anxiety and depression was conducted by Vigdal and Bronick. 
And the authors reviewed all of the literature and found out that in the majority of studies, they did find a relationship between helicopter parenting and anxiety and depression, but concluded the evidence for this relationship is insufficient and they need more investigation. So uh, before we get started on this, we need to do a serious disclaimer because... I'm afraid we're going to piss off a lot of parents or make them super paranoid, which a lot of parents already are. And we are not doing this to like make you feel bad or make you feel guilty. We are just here to inform and help because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I was a helicopter parent. Yes. Sometimes I still am. Right. It's not like anybody wakes up in the morning and goes, you know what I want to do today? I want to become a helicopter parent. Right. So it's just like everything. It comes out of a good place. But doesn't right. always isn't always the most helpful. Yes. Well, helicopter parenting is also called snowplow parenting, lawnmower parenting, or bulldozer parenting, and it portrays a parenting style that seeks to remove all obstacles from a child's path so they don't experience pain, failure, or discomfort. And mm. I, which sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Like, what a great oh, thing yeah. to do for your children. Unfortunately, as we will learn, um, it can have some not great consequences. So, Mm -hmm. for example, calling your adult child at college daily to wake them up. And you guys, I have a story about this. So um, (laughs) seven years years ago when I was in grad school or maybe longer, um, my grad assistantship was in the student service Student referral and support program. So mm-hmm. if you were um, if you were on the list of like not doing so well, you had the opportunity to visit with me, so we could try and find um, where where things were not going well and how we could help you. Tutoring, what whatever. And uh, this mom calls me and she goes, "Yeah, so my my son was on this list, and the reason he's not going to his morning classes is he's not waking up. So I am wondering if one of the hall staff could wake him up every day." And I said, you know, no, we're not going to do that. I said, because someday, hopefully your son has a job. And I don't think anybody at his place of employment is going to go to his house and wake him up. I said, but if you want to, if you want to call him every morning, you're more than welcome to. But I said, no, that is not something we will be offering on campus. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I had another mom because I also ran the early intervention program. And so if you got caught underage drinking, you had to, um, you had the opportunity to attend a class. Wow. And uh, it was $125 at that time. I don't know what it is today. And I, I, it never failed at least once a semester, I'd get a parent call and say, we're already paying so much for college. Do you realize how, you know, now we got to pay this? And I'd be like, nope, actually, you don't mm-hmm. have to pay this. <laughs> right. Your Somebody else could pay that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So another example of helicopter parenting is going to a job interview with your adult child. No, what? this doesn't yes. happen. Yes. No. Yes, your your sources does. for this must be Reddit. Like, there's no <laughs> way that this is <laughs> this happens. I'm not going to say it's a trend, but I am saying yes, it does it happen. Happened. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Another example is the parent researching online which college professors and which classes to take, and telling their kid this is what you need to do. So making it very very easy for them to have the right teachers, the right classes, that kind of thing. Or maybe paying for the adult child's tuition 
um, residence hall, all the expenses so they don't have the pressure to work and study. And, you know, I can I can get behind paying their tuition, paying their room and board. Um, what I have a hard time getting behind is giving them like a, an allowance so mm-hmm. they don't have to work. Mm-hmm. Just my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a gift if a parent can afford to pay the tuition. Wow. You know, but but is your child then working their ass off to get good grades? Is your child engaging in any other kind of extracurricular activities? Like what exactly is going on? So, Well, and I guess when I say pay for college, this is what I think of. And I think a lot of um, parents of college age children are are probably the same way I am. I meant like helping them with their student loan, (laughs) helping them navigate the student loan. That's how Jim and Becky help their kids pay for college. We help them navigate the process. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. That's that's a little different. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh. Continuing to make all appointments for your children. And I really encourage my clients when your kids are in high school, yes. they've got phones, they've got, they can plug in numbers, they can start scheduling their own appointments. I often will say to them when they leave my office, they're teenagers, go up to the front desk and reschedule your appointment, keep track of that. Um, And, you know, when I was researching this topic, I really thought about the college admissions scandal with Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman. Remember that, you guys, where they paid, basically, they paid bribes to have their daughters designated as recruits for the USC crew team, which they didn't even play crew or do crew, whatever the fuck crew is. (laughs) They were rowers. Okay. (laughs) To help them get into USC. And it's like, that to me was just an ex- perfect example of this kind of thing. And think about like the message it gave their daughters. Like there's no way in hell you are ever going to make it into this school unless we pay to cheat for you because you're that, you know, what is that message? Yeah. And I think it, I think those messages go on in subtler ways all the time. Um, I don't know. Like, what do you mean by that? Well, if you have strings to pull, where you pull the strings. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, I think it comes from, like, I honestly believe that these two people wanted the best for their daughters Mm -hmm. and somehow deluded themselves into thinking that this was the best way to do it. Right. But it ended up being, I think Lori Laughlin had to go to prison, didn't she? She did. Yeah. I don't, Felicity Huffman, I don't think did though. Did she? I don't think so. And I think she was the one that didn't fight it as long as Lori Laughlin did. Oh, okay. Poor Aunt so. Becky. You know, <laughs> no one wants that for Aunt Becky. <laughs> I don't know. I can, maybe I'm speaking oh, for all I the, know. all the 30 to 40 year old yes. males out there, but ooh, Lori Laughlin in yeah. full house. I, yeah, that is a, the show. that is a core memory right there. She was a, and she still is. A oh, she still is. Absolute yeah. smoke show. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Married to the guy that designed all the jeans for Target for a while. Is that right? Was it Massimo? It, yeah, Massimo. Oh. Are they not still married? I um, think they I are. Know. I think they are. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, a little derailed there. Okay, um, yeah. It can also mean that in toddlerhood, a helicopter parent might constantly shadow the child, always playing with and directing their behavior and not allowing them any alone time to play or self-soothe. Now, this is one I've seen often mm-hmm. um, or not. We always joke. In fact, we were just talking about this last night in our house, not allowing your kids to choose their own clothes uh. um, and not and not saying that 
you just let them go into the closet willy nilly. But depending on the age, maybe set out two outfits and say, which one do you want to wear tomorrow? You know, but mm-hmm. no, you don't do that. Every day you dress them exactly how you want to dress them. I, I it just drives me bananas. Definitely mm-hmm. know people like that. And it drives me. But then you connect it to the I'm going to get in trouble here, but you connect it to the MLMs, right? You connect it to mm-hmm. your multi-level marketing scheme. And so now mm-hmm. you're you are dressing your children either the same or in your specific clothes every day. And then you're taking pictures. And then is are you whoring your children out? I'm not saying no, but um, <laughs> oh, God. Is it questionable? I mean, maybe, maybe for me, maybe for me, it's, it's a, it's a little much. So here's, here's my story about this. So my kids um, with our first, anyway, we, we had her in our room for a bit, like in a, you know, playpen or whatever the fuck it is. And, uh, just for, for simplicity's sake, cause you gotta get, get up in the middle of the night, right? And so then we, we put her in her crib and we would let her cry it out for a bit, but they were also really good sleepers. So you, you put her down and she, you know, does whatever she does for a bit and falls asleep. So then we transitioned to a big girl bed and, and they're like, you know, two or three or four. I don't remember when we do this, but it's so then I, it is all a blur. This was, this was eight years ago now. And there's two other kids in the mix after this. So yeah, all the trauma, but I, I like laid down next to her in, in the big girl bed, like on the floor. And so Mm -hmm. she, who has always had the ability to self soothe and put herself to bed, looks at me and like, so, so what are we doing? Are we gonna? Are we gonna? Are we gonna talk? We're we gonna play a game. I'm like, no, go the fuck to sleep. And she's like, well, you're here, so I don't know what you're doing. But <laughs> if you're here, we must not be going to. Sleep. It took me like a week to realize, like, you moron, just leave her alone, and she, she doesn't need you. And you can, like, I just thought she'd get out of her bed and dick around, and she did. But yeah, as all kids yeah. do, but. Um. Oh, yeah. It was like a week where I'm like, what am I doing? This is no. Yeah. She could do this herself. Exactly. When I think of letting kids dress themselves, I think back to when Grace was in elementary school. And I know this is going to shock all of our listeners, but I really didn't give a shit what she wore. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I was picking her up from school one day and it's burned in my memory. She's walking across the playground to get to my car and she has on bright purple patterned leggings Mm-hmm. And a neon green T-shirt. Nice. And all I could think was, "I'm so sorry, teachers. <laughs> I made you look at that all day today." Oh my that girl is bright. Yes. <laughs> you know, I think it's a good learning opportunity to tell your kid, "Hey, let's look on my phone." Let's see what the weather is going to be like tomorrow. Okay, we're in South Dakota. It's going to be negative 17. So Mm -hmm. let's walk your ass to your closet and pick out what you think is appropriate for negative 17. And let them start figuring it out and pulling out appropriate clothes. It's more about like in my opinion, survival, like wearing what's practical <laughs> than like being perfectly matched, you know? Yeah. But I mean, if you have, if you have boys, just know that when they get to middle school, they're just going to wear shorts all year long. Oh my God. My five-year-old, yeah. we say, go get dressed. And just two days in a row comes out in shorts. And it's like, how many damn times do we have to tell you if there's snow on the ground, you're not wearing shorts. Like we might right. leave the house. We might not, but still put some damn pants on. But then yeah, we're you. the, we're the bad parents because because then he goes and puts pants out. They're all high waters, all of them. He's waiting for the flood, every single one. So, like, and for there's... anybody that thinks we're joking, what was the low last week? It was like minus fifty or something, wasn't it? With the, wind chill? with wind chill, yeah, something it was. like that. 
I know we're insane for living in this we really freaking tundra. Okay, <laughs> in elementary school, helicopter helicopter parents might make sure their kid gets a certain teacher or coach, may monitor their food intake, does a lot of their homework or helps with and checks all their homework, chooses all their friends and activities. And what I see with kids like this in therapy is that if a parent is really hardcore helicopter parenting, these kids need some kind of control, right? They are going to try to find some kind of control. So they're going to do it either by misbehaving or food can really become a major issue where they are hoarding food or they are restricting food. I've seen that through the years. Time and time again. Absolutely. Okay. So, oh, sorry. Sorry. So let's just talk about natural consequences for a second here. Okay. That's true. Because so my kids forget their snow stuff consistently. Uh, Mm -hmm. It is a struggle about every Monday or Tuesday. We tell them not to bring it home, just leave it at school yet. And yet it ends up at home. And then, so is it my responsibility as a parent with the, if we were going somewhere or if we were uh, going, we had planned to go to the sledding hill that weekend and they don't have their snow stuff because they left it at school. Well, tough titties. That's your natural consequence. You don't get to go, but the school's going to call. Right. And Mm -hmm. then and be like, where is their snow stuff? So like, what is the line between helicopter parenting and natural consequences? Well, I think in what you just described, not getting to go sledding would be a natural consequence. Right. Right. But but that that is that when they're at school. Right. Those teachers need a break. And if your kid doesn't have their snow stuff, then they got to sit inside. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So the teachers who pays the price, not your child. Yeah, I know. I know. Necessarily, not necessarily. Back when, you know, when dinosaurs were on the earth, Mm -hmm. I did not drive their freaking snow shit to school. They sat inside or or wherever they sit. I don't care. But the teachers were not calling that. Why they're calling now when they don't have enough to do, I have no idea. Teachers, you don't have to call. That child can just sit there and think about how nice it would have been if they brought their snow pants. Chances are they're going to try to remember that and do better next time. But I wouldn't feel guilty about it if the teacher called. I just say, my child is nine and they're responsible and they were, they forgot so i guess Mm -hmm. i'll have to sit inside and do homework or whatever make them read a book Mm -hmm. yeah different ways of looking at it yeah yeah i i struggle with it because i don't want to run it out there um Mm -hmm. and but I feel like then I'm saving the day and then I feel like I'm helicopter parenting by proxy or like I'm doing it without trying to do it. And like, oh, well, dad will just bring it out to me. Uh, but it's the it's also the, like the social stigma. Like we're friends with a lot of those teachers. <laughs> and so <laughs> next time you come to a teacher conference, like I don't want them to be like, OK, you really need you, you got to run the snow stuff out here, guys. No. That's not how that no, works. No, no, no. Brody. Did your dad drive to school and bring your snow stuff? My dad absolutely would have done that. Absolutely. He would have. Well, maybe the the things that I see him do for my younger siblings, absolutely he would have. Wow. Wow. How about you, Becky? Would your mom or dad have driven that to school for you? Um, I walked to school every day because I lived two blocks from it. Uphill, both ways. Yeah. Yeah, I, we, I'm from such a tiny town. And Fran was born in the Ice Age, so if she didn't right. have it, she wouldn't have yeah. been here. So, yeah, that's she exactly just, right. She just killed another saber-toothed tiger and made her own pelt. <laughs> <laughs> I 
That was the struggle. That was the. I'm not going to kill that tiger for you, Franny. You got to go and do that yourself. You forgot your spear. You can figure it out. That's exactly right. And you know, if I forgot my snow pants, I would just sharpen my spear during recess. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the best joke you've ever had, friend. That one's great. <laughs> Arizona sunshine. Oh, God. That vitamin D is doing you well. <laughs> oh, God. So the term helicopter parent was coined by Dr. Haim Ganot's 1969 book, Between Parent and Teenager, by teens who said their parents would hover over them like a helicopter, which makes sense. Right. Helicopter parents are described as overly focused on their children. They assume way too much responsibility for their children's successes or failures. And one thing I thought about is, and I can't remember which parenting book I read over the years, but it's like, is your child paying more attention to you then you are paying attention to them because that's the way it should be. You should be paying less attention to your children than they are paying attention to you because who's the teacher? Right. Right. And that made a lot of sense when I read that. That does make a lot of sense. Helicopter parents are also described as over-controlling, over-protecting, and over-perfecting. And you guys, this does kind of screw up your kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, we're not being critical, but what we're pointing out is you don't have to do it all. You don't Mm -hmm. have to work that hard. I mean, the goal is we want to raise kids that are independent and productive without us. In case we drop dead, they need to know how to come out of the basement and cook their own food. So, I mean, that's the goal. So, Helicopter parents help kids of all ages with tasks they are capable of doing alone. So the golden rule is never do for your kids what they're capable of doing for themselves. I don't even know how many times I've said this in therapy Mm -hmm. over the years. And so, you know, in therapy, I've seen parents, again, that do this kind of thing and the kids are going to get control by mouthing off to teachers, not doing their homework, forgetting, I'm putting in quotes, passive aggressively, forgetting (laughs) to bring their assignments and their books home. And so you're kind of creating more problems than you probably would have had to begin with. Yeah, I think so. I've seen it a lot, too. And there gets to be a point then when the parent is like, I don't understand why my kids can't just do this shit. Mm. And it's like, well, because <laughs> they've never had to. Mm-hmm. And I'll admit, I there are some things I've done for my kids um, that they could do for themselves. I've been guilty of it. We all are. We yeah. all have. Not across the board, but there are some things. Mm-hmm. Every every freaking day I wash Grace's egg pan. You know, every day she makes herself eggs before she goes to school. And every night I come home and it's sitting on the stove and I wash it. Mm-hmm. And every time I wash it, I'm like, why am I washing her freaking <laughs> egg pan? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's yeah, why stupid. are you washing her egg pan? Because I hate seeing it sit there on the, on the stove. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So flip it upside down. Bananas. Flip it upside down. Bananas. Cover so, it with a paper towel. Like when I would have giant crickets in Arizona, I, I would like put a paper towel. First, I'd put a paper towel over and smush it. And then I put a note, Dad, there is a squish. <laughs> I knew there was a pass in the buck at the end of that sentence. Oh. <laughs> Dear Daddy. <laughs> 
Well, why do parents hover? Why do we hover? So sometimes it's because they have fear of dire consequences. So for example, parents might fear fear their child won't be accepted into their desired college or face rejection from a sports team. And this is especially true if you feel like you could have done more to help pave the way a little bit, which is where those um, Aunt Becky and Felicity Huffman, um, what was she in Fargo? Is that what she... Felicity Huffman. No, I'm thinking of um, no. who's the kinky haired one? one. No, she heard the show is called Felicity. Carrie Russell. That's what I'm thinking of. I don't know Felicity mm. Huffman. No, I think Felicity Huffman was the main character in Fargo. I really do like the no. main police. No, 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 that was no, Frances no, no, no. McDormand. Oh, thank you. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Yep. There we yeah, go. Don't, but anyway, I'm sure. Don't that's play about Fargo. That's such a good movie. Yes. God. <laughs> I think they were just trying to help their kids get into a really good school. Right. According to Dr. I'm going to kill this, but Gilboa or Joboa, Deborah Joboa of Ask Dr. G, many of the consequences parents are trying to prevent, like their kids' unhappiness or struggle or not excelling, working hard, no guaranteed results. These are all fantastic teachers for your kids. And I know it's hard to think about like a struggle is a great learning opportunity, but it really is. And most of these things are not going to kill your kids. They're not Mm -hmm. life-threatening. They're just ways to help prepare your child, become responsible and independent. And so, you know, one of the things that I often teach in therapy, like when kids are misbehaving, in addition to chores, are independent living skills. Mm -hmm. I mean, you get kids that literally go to college, they have never put gas in their car. Never had to. Their parents always have it filled up, always have their oil changed, you know, just everything. So teaching your kids, if, you, if I drop dead tomorrow and you have to live independently, how do you wash your clothes? How do you mm-hmm. cook meals? How do you buy groceries? How do you mm-hmm. budget money? I mean, these are important skills that we cannot depend upon teachers. Teachers are already doing right. a lot, yeah. right? We need to teach these independent living skills. I would love to see that as a high school class, though, like independent living skills, I think would be a great title for it. And mm-hmm. you learn budgeting and different. you learn food prep, which I know you also learn in facts class, but it could just be a part of it and laundry and all that stuff. Um, I don't know why we don't. So I'm going to get right on that. You, yeah, you yeah. can teach that class. <laughs> teachers are going to be like, Dougie, honey, we do Shut up. this already. You exactly. Know, like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Another reason parents might hover is plain old anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. Worries about the economy, the job market, the world in general can push parents to take more control over their child's life to protect them from hurt or disappointment. Mm-hmm. And definitely, I mean, especially when you look at the past few years, there's been a lot of uncertainty. Right. And I could see where that would spike things. Right. So we really need to be asking ourselves, like, are we pairing, are we preparing our kids for reality? You know, like an mm-hmm. example of this, I wanted to get your take on this. I, I'm going to ask Brody first, like mm-hmm. where everybody gets a trophy, right? <laughs> we all compete, but we're all going to get the trophy, whether we win or lose. What are your thoughts about that, Brody? Well, Brody walked away. What, if you, Brody? If you look up, he's not sitting there. Well, what the fuck, Brody? <laughs> I don't know. He's what out for, happened? I think he's out for a smoke break or something. Okay, well then, yeah. Becky, what do you, you think know about what, that? We're not going to edit this out. We're going to let our listeners know that Brody took off for a smoke break. He or, really did. Or a pee break. Um, I'm, I'm not for this. I really am not. I think people need to, this is going to sound ice cold, but I think people need to learn disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that I want people to be disappointed, but it isn't a, 
it, it, you will be disappointed in life and you need to learn how to deal with those emotions mm-hmm. and, and how to work your way through them or frustration or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, you know what I think. Same. It's a hell no. And yeah, because I don't think it's reality. And I'm Mm-mm. all about, you know, preparing our kids for reality, whatever that is. Yeah. And I think too, I, I think it's important to teach this. This sounds so doom and gloom, but uh-huh. I think it's important to teach kids um, that life's not always fair. Yeah. That you might do better than the other person, or you might be better equipped than the other person, and you might not win or get or whatever it might be, because sometimes that's just how it goes. Right. And that can be an incredible motivator for a kid. Like, let's say they really, really want to play varsity basketball. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you're not going to just get to play varsity basketball. You're going to have to work your ass off and maybe you have to work three times as hard as somebody else. And that's life is learning to like, I may have to work harder and that may really fuel my drive in life. And that's not a bad thing. No, or you might have all the skills, but if you don't know how to conduct yourself, Mm -hmm. so you have to learn how to conduct yourself too. Exactly. Yeah. Another reason that parents might uh, hover a little bit is overcompensation. And I see this one a lot. Mm-hmm. Adults who felt unloved, neglected, or ignored as children can overcompensate with their children. So excessive attention and monitoring may be given in an effort to give their child what they never got mm-hmm. in childhood. And, mm-hmm. I, and again, so it comes from such a really, really good place. Right. I'm going to be everything that my parent wasn't. Right. I get that. And I totally understand that, Yeah, um, you know, but again, nothing in extremes is right. healthy. It really yep. isn't. So where is the middle ground? How can you give your child what you didn't have, but not go overboard? Yeah. Right. What's that? Yeah, so I've also had talks with adults, with parents where I've said, you know, okay, you did have a crappy childhood or, you know, your parents weren't the best, but did they do everything wrong? Because mm-hmm. you turned out to be an amazing human being. And a lot of the times, not all the time, but a lot of times they're able to pick one or two things that their parents actually did okay with. Right. Right. Exactly. Hey, Becky, why is the Northern State University graduate program in counseling so awesome? I could go on forever, but let's talk about the fact that you can get a clinical degree where you can work in private practice or an agency, Mm -hmm. where you can get a school counseling degree on the school track, where you can work in a school as private, private school, parochial school, public school, any school you want to. And then my favorite. What? Forensic counseling. Super cool. But is it KCREP approved? It is KCREP approved. And you're like, what does that mean? You know what? It means that it has the gold standard of grad schools. Super awesome. But can I afford it? Because I don't have a lot of money. It's okay. If you go to northern.edu, you can um, apply for some scholarships. They have a couple of counseling specific scholarships in addition to some other really fantastic scholarships that a guidance counselor or a admissions counselor can help you with. Awesome. Be Northern, unleash your potential, baby. Oh. Or the parent is helicoptering because they are living vicariously through their child. So there is a difference, right, between wanting what's best for your kid and wanting them to reach their full potential because it's bringing attention to you as the mm-hmm. parent and fulfilling your unmissed opportunity 
opportunities for success and or everybody's going, oh, my God, Becky, you must be such an amazing parent because look what Allison did or Grace or, you know, you know, that's it's more about them giving the attention to themselves, which is, again, you know, be honest with yourself. Is this why I am doing it? And if so, how can I fulfill some of my own needs on my own rather than through my kids? And if anybody does say that to me, I'm always like, oh, no, they've succeeded in spite what Jim and I did. (laughs) (laughs) We have held them back at every turn. Uh, It was survival of the fittest in our house. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) But I've seen this a lot in sporting parents, and maybe it's just because I'm around sporting parents more. Mm -hmm. Um, But you do see this from time to time. It's like, I can't believe you missed that free throw. I can't believe you didn't pin that person or whatever the sport might be. And it's like, they're kids. You know, they screwed up. Who cares? Yeah. Another reason, and this is, I think, another big one, peer pressure from other parents. Because as parents, don't we always compare ourselves anyway? Mm-hmm. And so when parents see other over-involved parents, it can trigger a similar response. So sometimes, according to Dr. Date, sometimes when we observe other parents over-parenting or being helicopter parents, it will pressure us to do the same. We can easily feel that if we don't immerse ourselves in our children's lives, we are bad parents. Mm-hmm. And then guilt can play into that. Right. And I remember, I'm not the hugest fan of Dr. John Roseman, but I do think he's had a couple of nuggets. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I really liked from him was it's, you should always put your marriage over your children. Right. Mm. Which mm-hmm. seems really, seems very counterintuitive, but he always oh, I don't think so. No, the I best don't gift you can give your kids. Well, no, I think intuitively we want to put our kids first all the time. Mm. And so it kind of goes against that, but I think it, I think he's right. And that's, I, I don't know why that just um, popped into my head when I read that. Our Um, kids, um, I will say, I love you very much, except that I love your mom more. And because she was here first and they, they know that. And at first they were like, what? You don't love us. I said, not what I said. I said, I love your mom the most because she was here before all y'all. So like (laughs) we're, we're doing this thing and it's, I love you all very, very, very much, but I love your mom more. So deal with it. Right. And you do a great job of that, Brody. I mean, you and your wife, I totally support that and respect that from you because I think, I don't know if it's an intuitive thing, but I think it's become a cultural thing where we have to elevate our children on these, like, I don't know, sanctuaries or whatever the hell and worship them. And that is not the way it was generations ago. Mom and dad were at the top of the food chain and everybody knew it and no one questioned it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or if you did, you got smacked. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> not, there was that. not that I'm a proponent of that. Yeah. But I think I think parent guilt is a is a real thing. Um, and I could see where parents could could lose their own sense of of what's right or wrong or healthy or unhealthy um, if they see a lot of other people over parenting or being over involved, I should say. Right. And what if we started a cultural revolution with younger parents where they, instead of kind of pressuring each other to over parents, said to each other, you know what, we're going to put our our relationships with our partner first and we're not going to overdo it. We're going to have our kids become independent and self-sufficient and figure shit out. What would that be like in society? 
or don't always take, this is what I think of, like, don't always take your kid's side, whether it's a coach or a parent or a teacher or whatever else it might be. Um, don't go to the mat and just believe everything your kids say. I, to me, that's another way of helicopter parenting. Yeah. You know, my kid does no wrong. There's no way. Because I grew up where we got believed last. Right. And not because my parents were jerks, because they're not. But it's just... You know, everybody knows that a kid will lie to get themselves out of trouble um, or because they're bad because it's just what you do. Or kids are really poor historians. So we had yeah. uh, we had a babysitter here in town. It was an in, in-home babysitter. And I certainly won't name names, but I would pick up Lily to go to preschool. So pick her up at like 1145 ish uh, to get her to preschool. And then I, I'd get her in the car and say, OK, like, did you eat lunch today? And she goes, no. And I said, okay. So I, I texted the daycare and I'm like, Hey, um, I fully believe I fully believe that you fed her lunch, but I'm just like double checking. Like, did she not eat it? Or am I picking her up too early or whatever? And then she ended up dropping us because never once in my career have I had a parent question my ability. And I said, Children are very poor historians. My son mm-hmm. couldn't tell me what he had for lunch today, and he's five. Like, this right. this little girl is four years old. What the fuck are you talking about? You're going to fire us. Like, yeah. I have never gotten more fired up. Like, do wow. not come at my kids. Oh, it was bad. But uh, all you were doing was verifying. <laughs> that's like, all I was I'm, doing. I'm not taking right. her word at gospel. No. And I, I said that in the text. I said, children yeah. are poor historian. I'm just checking. Like, this happened, right? Yeah. And and she, yep, she dropped us. So whatever. Wow. Have, never looked and, back. And that's a teachable moment with your own child to say, hey, I verified lunch was given. Not only did we get fired from daycare, but now you are going to get punished for lying. So this is yep. a really good day in your life today. And <laughs> that's exactly what I did. I gave her 30 lashes when we got home and, <laughs> and we had to find a new daycare. So she's still paying that off. Oh my God. She is. Oh God. So what are the effects of helicopter parenting? (laughs) You know, many helicopter parents, they're starting with good intentions, like Becky said, and it is a tricky balance to be like, you want to be involved with your kids, but you don't want to be enmeshed so that you're losing perspective on really what is in their best interest, right? Again, Mm -hmm. to be kind, productive, independent human beings, that's in their best interest. So engaged parenting, engaged parenting has many benefits for a child, such as feelings of love, acceptance, better self-confidence and opportunities to grow. Oh, and th- However, those are those are good things. Those are good things. Okay. Yes. Just okay, did, you write it, did you write them down? Yep. Yep. Just going to okay. be sure the, the audience caught that truth bomb right there. So <laughs> right. Okay. Becky's hot take know, of the day. Once, once again, it's the hard hitting facts. <laughs> However, once parenting becomes governed by fears of what could go wrong, which is pretty much everything, it's hard to keep in mind all the things that kids learn when we're not guiding each step. And again, this is Dr. Gilboa, Gilboa, Gilbo. <laughs> <laughs> failure and challenges teach kids new skills and more importantly teach kids that they can handle failure and challenges so i do because you're gonna fail everybody right. fails right and that is one of the greatest lessons you will ever learn in your lifetime is mm-hmm. when something goes wrong how are you going to handle it how are you going to problem solve what support are you going to reach out to who's in your camp who's not in your camp 
It is unbelievably valuable to learn those lessons from that. Mm -hmm. Helicopter parenting can result in decreased self-confidence because you're sending your kid the unintended message that obviously, Junior, you can't figure shit out for yourself and we don't trust you. So the kid then loses confidence and becomes more dependent on others and they're more likely to get frustrated and give up easily. And I Mm -hmm. see this like that absolute low frustration tolerance like you know here's a tough puzzle figure it out I can't do it I can't you know and throwing their hands up and the parents rushing over there to help them figure it out it's Mm. like well you know what you can't figure it out right now because you haven't spent a nanosecond thinking about it so sit your ass there for a minute and let's give it some time and Mm -hmm. I have faith in you I think you can probably figure it out if you can't after about 10 minutes I'll come help you Mm mm-hmm but let them sit there and be uncomfortable. It's okay. Right. Yeah. They can also have undeveloped coping skills, again, because they're not used to sitting with discomfort. If the parent is always there to clean up a child's mess or even just prevent the problem in the first place, they will not learn to cope. Mm -hmm. So, for example, a 2018 study in developmental psychology found that parents who are overly controlling can impair their child's ability to regulate emotions and behavior. And other studies have found that kids who experienced helicopter parenting had an inflated sense of self and and are more impulsive. And I have seen this left and right. Mm -hmm. I really, really have a sense of entitlement. Um, Yeah, (laughs) to me, it's just crazy. Yeah. And these are the kinds of kids that when they finally have freedom, they go off the rails for a little bit. You know, they're off to college and now for the very first time, they're either off the rails doing all kinds of crazy shit or they're falling apart wanting to come home because they really don't know how to cope independently. And it's sad. We get a lot of kids like this in therapy. We do. And then as a helicopter parent, you're like, oh, my gosh, my child's falling apart. So then what do you do? You help them withdraw. Mm -hmm. And you bring them home Mm -hmm. and you make them chicken noodle soup every day, which comes from a very good place. Mm -hmm. Right. But probably isn't always helpful. Yeah. It can also, well, we talked about this, increase Mm -hmm. their anxiety. So in a 2014 study published in the Journal of Child and Family Studies, overparenting is, again, associated with higher levels of child anxiety and depression. This is true also for college students, not just for younger children. Yep. Again, they've never had to deal with discomfort. Right. There can can also be, like I said earlier, a sense of entitlement. So children who have always had their social, academic, and athletic lives adjusted by their parents can become accustomed to always having their way. And so I don't know, Fran, you do a lot of couples therapy too. What do you see where one parent maybe was entitled? Well, sorry. Yeah, if one partner was always entitled and somebody was always cleaning up their messes or doing all their shit, they then think their marital partner or their living partner is going to fulfill that role. Yeah. And that other person is like, oh, hell no, that's not my job. I want a partner. I don't want to be like raising you up or doing all your shit. So it causes a lot of problems. I see it a lot. I want to know your take on this. I see it a lot if somebody is truly narcissistic. Narcissistic. Mm, yeah. I'll always be like, you know, what was the relationship like with your parents? And it's almost inevitably, oh, you know, I there, you know, if I'm the wife will jump in and say, <coughs> oh, his mom thought that he never did any wrong. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, he would break the law and they would get him out of it. And there was just never any consequences. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Right. No, I, I don't know if you've you. seen that. Okay. I have. Yes, absolutely. It also results, like we talked about, in underdeveloped life skills. So if you're doing everything for your kid, you're being their personal assistant long after they're capable of doing their own stuff. They're not developing the life skills. They can't behave independently. And this is, think about this, you guys. We want them to have healthy relationships with other Mm -hmm. adults down the road. We don't want their partner divorcing their their asses, taking their kids away from them. Huge custody battles. This is going to be ugly in the long run. (laughs) Let's think about the long run. Let's help them be independent people. Okay, after that doom and gloom, Fran, can you can you lead us into the next section? Because <laughs> says you're making it up. Oh, uh, no. We are going to give you tips on how to lay on the chopper, right? Because I'm, gonna... I'm, seeing, I'm seeing Grace being seven times divorced because I always wash her egg pan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm in custody of my grandchildren. Yeah, exactly. Her partner is going to be like, what's up with the fucking egg pan? What's up with the egg pan? Why didn't you do anything, Mom? Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, so what can we do? Keep your eye on the prize. The main goal is to raise responsible, respectful, kind, and capable humans. We want to raise humans who may be very good life partners and parents themselves one day if that's what they choose. Right. And so even though it's hard to watch, let your kids get on the struggle bus. Mm -hmm. Let them experience reality, failure, hurt, and use these as opportunities to learn and say, okay, look, you're doing really shitty in your algebra class, right? And for me, anything lower than a C is unacceptable and you're not turning in your work. So what do you think, Joey, What do you think is going to help you get a C or better because your phone and your technology is going to be gone until I see a C or better and all your work is turned in on time. Mm -hmm. So how are you going to cope with this? Here's your options. Mm -hmm. You can get a tutor. You can stay after school. You can go before school, blah, blah, blah. Help them brainstorm and figure it out. And don't be afraid. Do not be afraid to take mm-hmm. things away from them. Please don't, because that's not going to teach them anything. <laughs> I love this example that you came up with. So your child is in dance lessons and your child loves to dance, but can't dance worth a shit. <laughs> <laughs> And you guys, I can speak to this. A talent show is coming up and your child wants to do, to compete doing a dance solo. So I will tell you a little story about the May Over Be uh, talent show. Um, Jake wanted to break dance to a little less conversation remake. I love that song. Um, I'm here to tell you, Fran, it is yeah. 14 hours long when your son is break dancing yes. to yes. us. Mm-hmm. I love it. We're like, hey, buddy, do you want to maybe cut it down and maybe just do part of the song? And he was like, no, I'm going to break dance to the whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) I really hope we don't cut this out afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hell no. Oh, Oh, hell no. I've got video of it. So I will not have that anywhere. Example. That's what I'm talking about. So what do you do? Do you hire the choreographer from? Dancing with the Stars to individually work your child and take out a bank loan to pay them. 
no, you do what I did. You let them dance their heart out, make a full. Afterwards, he comes up and he goes, that song is really long. And oh I said, God. I know, bud, we were trying to tell you. Exactly. <laughs> but you wanted to do <laughs> It's called the Napoleon Dynamite technique. You just let them get up there and make a fool of themselves. <laughs> All right. What about this? What about this? Do you tell your child, look, I love you very much, but dancing is probably not your forte. Maybe you should try something different. Or how, how old is this kid? You know, I let's just say the kid is, I don't know, junior high ish. Junior high. Maybe. Yeah. If they're little, I'm just going to say you have at it, man. Yep. Right. Right. Do you schedule a vacation (laughs) during the talent show? I mean, I'm not above that. I'm not yeah, above that at all. I mean, all. it's something to think about. Right? <laughs> I don't know. They're, that's a hard one. It really is. Because you don't want to pee all over their dreams. But I don't know. You, you also don't want, want them to look like an idiot. I know. And these are the tough questions oh. that you have to answer as parents where you reach out to. Because haven't you been, okay, I'm going to get really, uh, boy, people are going to get mad at me. But haven't you been to some event where this kid has been in a particular activity for like 400 years and they still suck? They they were <laughs> terrible day one. <laughs> Ten years later, they suck even more. And you mm-hmm. paid all this money. They think they're fantastic because you as a parent have gone, you're fantastic. You're great. They're not great. They suck. They're never going to do it again. What is the right thing to do? These are hard questions. They are hard questions. Yeah. Well, I think you start off with don't tell your kid they're the best thing ever when they're clearly not. Right. I'm just saying we started when Grace was a freshman in basketball. She's going to kill me over this one. Um, She she struggled at the free throw line. So Mm -hmm. we offered her five dollars for every made free throw. (laughs) (laughs) did it increase her performance um i mean i'm not gonna say we went into debt (laughs) (laughs) you are so in trouble a free throw because she has improved quite a bit (laughs) (laughs) but there is a dad that calls her ricky bobby (laughs) (laughs) come on ricky bobby Oh, God. And he's the only one that gets away with that. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, what? Okay, Dr. Gilboa, Bilboa, whoever this is from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> anyway, says, quote, remembering to look for opportunities to take one step back from solving our children's problems will help us build resilient, self-confident kids we need. So it's best to allow them to experience failure and disappointment and teach them how to cope with it. I agree. I agree too. Um, And another source for this was Kate Bayless. That was an easy, thanks for giving me the easy one. You bet. No problem. Well, you guys, we are the shrinks. And that's a wrap.